You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. from the seven. Vandal Jones on third down, lobs one up. There is a flag, and it is a catch by Sterling Shepard for a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, another week, another championship. Last week, my Tampa Bay Lightning repeated the Stanley Cup champs, and this week, I hold the honor of winning the first annual Just Giants podcast, Best Fluke Fisherman of All Time contest, where I soundly destroyed the football grump in the number of fluke caught over a five-hour period off of Captree. Your reaction, grump. So here's a couple of things that we're going to get straight. First and foremost, and this is the most important, you are not allowed to get tired of winning championships before the Giants win one, okay? Your other ones, I don't care at all about. Your Lightning and Rays and I, whatever. I mean, we've won championships, so, I mean, this is not like... We're not Cleveland Brown fans. We're not... Uh, True, but 10 years ago was 10 years ago. I was a much better-looking man at 23 than I am at 33, so... Well, that's, that's for sure, but... I mean, we, we, we don't have to put up our now-I-can-die-in-peace signs like Ranger fans do or anything. It's like... It's been a... It's been a... It's been a bit of a time, but it's not like something where there's this hole in my life because we've never won one yet. That's fair. Also, you didn't swiftly, swiftly defeat. I I only set the record straight that (laughs) soundly, yes, but you did say swiftly as well. Um, We were we were neck and neck until the last two stops. It was come from behind performance. It was. It was. It not only was it neck and neck, and you know, uh, hats off to you. You came in at the very end there, and you, you got two more. I think those the last two you caught were the biggest ones you got, right? Yes, they progressively got bigger. I mean, seriously, I was catching. You know, fluke the size of gold you were you were catching players. minnows. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, really, the uh, it was a piss poor performance in the beginning. But uh, you know, when you get to one o'clock, two o'clock, and you can sense when the end of the trip is coming, you got to you know make it count. Yeah, experience, age, wisdom, it all kicked in. There, there is a fantastic picture floating around the internet that I might have to add to Twitter of. The cranky fan with the catch of the day was his first catch, and I don't know what the, I think it was a hut made out of sticks or something. It was fantastic. I mean, it was this sort of conglomeration of about five pieces of wood, a stick, a shell, some. Oh, it was just a. And when I was pulling it in, I'm like, this might be a pretty good fish. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I pulled up half the bottom of the ocean with it. So. <laughs> Is really putting up a fight, huh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and the the most important thing to note, though, is that while Cranky Fan did soundly defeat me by two fish, uh, our wives and girlfriends still beat both of us in in number of well, fluke that... caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's no surprise at all. So no, not at brains, all. Brains, brains, beauty, and the ability to catch fish. And yeah, that's what they, they, they that's made all the right. <laughs> They, they they caught all the right fish and all the wrong men, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, they keep trying to throw us back, but you know. <laughs> just, we learned how to swim. Yeah, um, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, training camp starts next week. It is it is probably the most exciting part, other than like the draft. Really, is training camp and highlight videos and practice reports and all the glowing reviews and nobody does poorly and everyone's great. Um, but it is exciting, right? Because it's been a long time since the last time we got to watch the Giants go out there and play. And seeing I, practice and ramping up for the season is very exciting. And I just can't believe the training camp is next week. And like it, it just it just seems like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, it, like, it does that every training. year, though, doesn't it? Like, like yeah, but I mean, this year, this year more than usual. It seems like it's just like I, I, I don't know. I just I felt like we we, you know. We just got past the draft. We were thinking about, you know, okay, let's talk about our pencils and pens for, for, you know, this season. Let's start thinking about the roster. And then, like, oh, shit, it's next week. No, I think and we're just getting old. That, <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. But, you know, that means that, you know, 
fall's coming then the season for real starting and we're not worrying about this year like last year will we even have a season would be able to go to the the meadowlands and go to a game i mean this should be business as usual this year thank god yeah i you know i i we we made that like friendly wager or whatever for for you know whatever drinks in the Jameson room. I honestly am happy to be buying you drinks at the Jameson room because it means we'll be there. I, I haven't been. I feel like I feel like I've been I don't know sent away to boarding school for the last year or something and finally going home. <laughs> like we've been put on one year of probation. Like the death penalty hit us. Yeah, well deserved. Um, going into training camp next week, we are completing our. Positional breakdown on the offensive side of the ball and, and, and you know, kind of projecting a little bit into the 53-man territory here. Um, and this is probably the most fluid. This is where, you know, a lot of people like to talk about wide receiver, but the backup wide receivers don't play the same kind of important role, usually, that backup offensive linemen do. And um, I say that because, uh, you know, there are thousands of game quality wide receivers out there and if you screw up you don't get open sure the play can get derailed but screwing up as an offensive lineman or having an inadequate backup offensive lineman is far more detrimental to an offense than having an inadequate backup wide receiver well if you screw up on the offensive line you never get a chance for anything else to develop there's no like improvising and doing something else there's no you know make things out of, out of nothing if your offensive line isn't working and they blow an assignment they blow a uh, a pass protection there is no play it's if you're lucky a major loss of yards and loss of down and it could be a disaster and that's something that you know we've discussed ad nauseum about like what daniel jones's problem is but you know the offensive line is mission is to prevent as much as they can, situations where Daniel Jones can potentially make those mistakes. Absolutely. And and quite frankly, we've been talking ad nauseum about it for the last nine years, I would say. I would say even 10. I think even in 2011, we, you know, you and I, and I think Giant fans were talking about this offensive line as an area that needs to be focused on and just simply wasn't adequately yeah. focused on. I mean, there were efforts made. I, You know, I, as much as I like to rag on Jerry Reese and Mark Ross for, you know, everything from 2012, actually, even like t- 2010 and on that they were handling was bad, but they did allocate resources to the offensive line. It was just a, you know, they did bad scouting. They scouted guys and drafted guys that didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, they drafted Eric Flowers and, you know, we were kind of nitpicking at the time. Well, you know, his technique and blah, blah, blah. But it's not to say they ignored the position. Yeah, exactly. They certainly didn't ignore it. Um, it. Things just didn't pan out. And that happens. Uh, you know, we're hoping now that we, we've really – we're really casting our lot on guys that they've drafted in the last couple of years to step up. And we're going to get into that shortly about who is on this roster, who is projected to start, who will come be, you know, in the rotation – who else is out there, but they kind of are saying they're putting their foot in the sand right now and saying, these are our guys. This is the guys we brought in and we're rolling with them for now. Yeah. So let's get right into that. You know, last year's first round pick, Andrew Thomas slated to continue at left tackle where he played all of last season. I mean, he might've had some weird right tackle snaps or something, but I don't think so. Uh, he did not start one game, and I think that was more punishment-related than anything, if I'm remembering correctly. But the point is that Andrew Thomas is, I would say, the left tackle in Penn going into the 2021 season, and there's very little oh, doubt about that. I would say almost like in tattoo ink that he's the starting left tackle. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I, ha- I was a big proponent of drafting him. To me, he was the most well-rounded and pro-ready of the four tackles. Everybody else wanted to disagree once the season started, and he didn't start off amazing. And Tristan Wirfs was on the Super Bowl team, albeit at right tackle, not left tackle. But I, I still I still believe in everything. And I, I think Andrew Thomas got a lot better as the season went on. I think he was more than capable. You know, for all the bluster of the 
they should have lost against Washington two years ago so that they could get Chase Young. Chase Young was a non-factor in the second game against Washington. Andrew Thomas absolutely locked the man down. So, you know, this second overall pick right there was a complete non-factor. It means that your left tackle is doing pretty pretty damn good, and I'm excited to see him continue to grow. Uh, and the Giants brought in Pat Flaherty to continue to advise the offensive line. I think he's still in an advisory role. I believe he is, so. Yeah. I mean, it was just... Last year, saying it all off season, I give passes to everybody because, based on the situation they were dealt with last year, and I think that's nowhere as important. Maybe besides the quarterback, maybe even more so than the quarterback position than the offensive line. Offensive line is based upon strength, teamwork, and just growing together. And you can't do any of those things in an optimal way when you are away from the team for the whole offseason. Um, you know, anything you got out of any of the, the other rookies to me was kind of a head start for this year, which I really consider their rookie years. You know, now, you know, having the full offseason, the chance to really put on some weight and some strength to be in prime football condition, having an offseason to really – you know, dig into, you know, what the playbook is and what, you know, Jason Garrett really wants to do, as well as the opening up of the offense based on better skill players as well. A full off season to have the, the proper mini camps, OTAs, all those things. So when you're coming into the first time everybody's getting together, it isn't like a meet and greet. It's just, let's just get to work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I would even add coaching to the mix. I think the offensive line coach is probably the most important assistant on the roster. Um, but 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 absolutely, everything you said. Um, and Andrew Thomas, I would say, is the only definite at the tackle position for the Giants this year. You know, I would say slated right now, Matt Pear is, is penciled in. I think they want him to be the right tackle to start. They want him to win the position. But as we go through this, for every position, I think, maybe not center, but I think it's going to be a completely open competition except for center and left tackle. Um, let's, let's not forget when Matt Pear was drafted, we said on this show, all the experts, this guy is going to be a project. This is someone we didn't expect this to start right away. We thought that, you know, they would, you know, spend a year or maybe even two, you know, in development, get the guys, you know, weighed up, get him all strength and everything and get him ready to go to play. So to me, he's still ahead of schedule from where they expected him. I agree. To be. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, let's not, let's not forget that little nugget because that is important to remember. Yeah. And, and I would say in looking at Matt Parrott last year, the – the highs were promising. You know, the, 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 the good that we saw for him was not what I would consider great offensive line performance. I think it was promising for him. You know, I didn't expect him to play anything last year. And he didn't play much. You know, Cam Fleming took the bulk of the right tackle snaps. Um, but in what he showed when he was looking pretty good, he looked pretty good. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot that can be improved on. You simply can't teach some of the things that he has in terms of height, you know, and, and weight and just his overall size, just the way he is built in that six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pound frame. Um, he's also a smart guy. Uh I think that they want him to win. I think that he's penciled in at that spot. Uh but that's not definite. And um you know behind him at the exclusive tackle position, uh are Nate Solder, who is returning, and Jackson Barton, and of course Calvin Benjamin. Let's Let's talk about Nate Solder for a minute, and let's just kind of clear the air about what the proper expectation for Nate Solder is. Wow, I don't think I've ever had a joke bomb so much it got no reaction, but anyway. I didn't even know there was a joke. It was I, I, I listened, Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> See, when I hear old Seminoles being mentioned, my brain just instantly turns off, so I don't, <laughs> don't even know what you said about him. So good job by you. Congrats. <laughs> nice one. Alright, so so tell us about Nate Solder and Jackson Barton. I mean this you have to almost think of Nate Solder as a completely different person than the Nate Solder that was brought in here a few years ago on a big free agent contract. Nate Solder is no longer even on that contract anymore. Correct. He's on a, a, a different 
He has a different role, a different contract, a different expectation, a different everything about him. Nobody thinks he is coming in here to compete for a starting job. Not really at right tackle and certainly not at left tackle. He, you know, we all think in 2019 that he was injured to some degree that may never have been announced, which explained his sudden drop off in productivity. He took 2020 off for COVID. It was his right to do so. In hindsight, it probably saved him from being in this position he's in right now to even make a decision about him because it was very possible if 2020 was a normal season, he would have been a cap casualty. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of having him on layaway for a year, you know, made, you know, a a different decision of what are we going to do with this guy? Like, you know, they, they were able to restructure with him for a role that probably suits what his skill set is at this time, a year older and not only a year older, a year removed from football activities where, again, if I'm going to give everybody sort of a pass around having the normal weight room and, and, and strength program and coaching, you got to give it to him from being another step removed, not even getting the limited stuff that the team did by being away from the, from the sport. So let's not, every time you hear the word Nate Solder, roll your eyes and go, Ugh, let's just treat him for what he is, a guy on a relatively cheap deal that would have been money flushed out the toilet anyway if he was released and never brought back and he'll be a swing guy he'll be used to either give one of the starting tackles a blow or if somebody's hurt for a play a down a series a quarter a game he's adequate enough to get you in there to, to hold you over for right now so my expectation level is very low from him. I'd be surprised if I am disappointed in what he does. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's important to just forget the contract when you want to look at it. Football has to be viewed in a year-to-year scenario. Um, it's easy to look at Nate Solder and be upset with him because the expectations when he was signed to this team and you know what became of that are, are far apart. But the circumstances have changed. We're dealing with a completely different chessboard this year. He is now on a completely different contract, and his expectations are completely different. What we expect from him and is also, exactly what was, you say. And he wasn't horrible when he first started. Everybody acts like he's the biggest bust in the history of busts. He wasn't horrible his first you know, year or so with, with the team. It was that, you know, when, that last year when, again, we all think there was something wrong with him physically, which prevented him from playing to expectations. So... Let's not all of a sudden say this is the second coming of Eric Flowers. He wasn't. Yeah, and quite frankly, I think another one of his struggles is that, you know, he was dealing with an offensive system that I don't think suits his abilities. I don't think he's good at, you know, that Pat Shermer seven-step drop system. He was coming from New England where Tom Brady gets rid of the ball pretty quickly most of the time. You know, it just... A culmination of a lot of things led to bad performance none of which is relevant to this season. What is expected of him this season? His ability to play both sides of the ta- tackle. Um, I know it's been like 100 million years since he's played right tackle, but it's important to note that it's been like 100 million years since he's played a game at all. So we're almost looking at this from a a, a, a fresh, you know, venture back into football for him. And he's if he takes the right work ethic approach going into this season, then... It doesn't matter. And quite frankly, if he doesn't, I don't even know if he's going to make a roster spot because it has been a long time since he has played an NFL game, an NFL snap. He's admittedly not worked out at all, really, the last year where he took the year off. You know, And he's on a contract now where he can be cut and not be a huge casualty to the cap. So if he isn't prepared to play both spots, he is risking his year of work, you know? So um, I, I think that he is returning because he wants to return, and I think that means that he will put in the, the required effort to earn a starting uh, to, to earn a roster spot where he will swing back and forth between left and right and, you know, pop in for a play, pop in for a series, pop in for a game if needed. 
Um, I, I I like this spot for Nate Solder in general. I think his he's a smart guy and he's you know a good study, which means he's a good guy to have off the bench. He doesn't need a whole lot of time, I don't think, to get you know ready and and you know I, I think he his his work in the film room, etc., allows him to just jump in and be effective right away. Look, we are just as guilty as what I'm about to accuse everybody of. There is way too much ink being spilled, uh, breath being wasted, talking about somebody who's a backup on the offensive line. And, you know, we, we've spent more time talking about Nate Solder in this podcast than we did about, you know, Andrew Thomas or part or any of the other starters on, on this line. It It's just going to be a storyline. It's just going to keep having legs where at the end of the day, all he really is is a backup lineman who may or may not even make this roster. So, you know, bottom line, for all you people out there, I wouldn't spend any extra time thinking and worrying about Nate Solder and, you know, is, is he a, a, a roster spot hog or is he wasting cap space or any of that? It's just let's see what happens in camp. We're going to know pretty much right away if he is going to be a candidate to make this roster. And then if he does make this roster, the assumption is he's a, an able body who can go in and provide depth for this. That's all. And I think spending hours and hours debating the merits of him are kind of talking about who's the seventh receiver in camp. And that brings us to the other pure tackle that's on the roster, and that's Jackson Barton. Um, You know, we're getting into some of these no-name guys, so I'll just bring you up to speed. Barton was claimed by the Giants last year from the Chiefs early on last year, and he spent the, the entirety of the 2020 season on the 53-man roster, so this is not a nobody. Important to note that that made him the third tackle, I think, last year, fourth tackle, I'm sorry. So he was behind Cam Fleming and Matt Parrott and Andrew Thomas, but he remained on the roster, the 53-man roster for the entirety of the season. Um, he never saw any action, but that should speak to something. With two rookies, one of which is very raw, he was behind them, you know, but but kept uh, I think that when we're constructing a 53-man roster within the confines of who is currently a New York Giant, to me, when you are getting your tackles, you're going to take Andrew Thomas for your left tackle, you're going to take Matt Parrott for your right tackle, and then it, I think, honestly, it's an open competition between Nate Solder and Jackson Barton for who that backup is. You know, I think... They assume that Nate Solder is going to win that, but they're just as comfortable if Jackson Barton shows that he is, you know, more capable. I mean, he's 26, okay, for starters. He's about the same size as Nate Solder, so there's not a huge, you know, size difference there. He comes cheaper. You know, it's... They'll take who they who who will win, and, and uh, you know... I, I would keep Jackson Barton around in your mind when you start hearing reports of training camp and, you know, when you start watching preseason games. I forgot we have preseason this year. Watch Jackson Barton and Nate Solder and you tell me who you'd rather have. And I'll, I'll agree or disagree because I don't know. I hate to sound like a broken record, but this may be another position where that backup tackle may not be on the roster right now. Yeah, it could be, yeah. That's that's another prime position where you're looking at cut downs and they're trying to cut, you know, for cap reasons and stuff, somebody gets jettisoned that you wouldn't expect to. And, you know, again, I, again, I think this all revolves around Solder. Framing this in the right context in a backup role, is he physically ready to be a, you know, play in this league in a rotational basis? I think they're going to know right away this guy isn't, going to make it in the next four weeks to make the team and if that's the case i definitely expect them to be combing the waiver wire for somebody you know and maybe even you know some guy who gets cut early on i mean people do leave early sure for you know, that, that final cut down day so and remember uh, the cap went down so teams will be making strange decisions you know to to get under the cap at the last minute mm-hmm. um so that could mean a quality player hitting hitting the open market um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Nick Gates. You know, we, we know that Nick Gates was either the best offensive lineman from last year that's still on the roster or the second best. Um, that was a very pleasant surprise. Um, 
But, you know, the Giants had given him prior to last season an extension. They knew that there was, uh, you know, a work ethic there and tools to work with to develop Nick Gates into a starting caliber guy, and he he exceeded expectations. So Nick Gates, I don't want to spend too much time talking about. I fully expect him to be center, the starting center week one. I do too. I mean, I think what they're really trying to do is have some continuality from last year. I mean, I, so I think that as much as anything, why he'll he's the kind of the odds on he's going to be the starting center. So I think they're, they want to keep what they had going from last year by having him. And he out, he out kicked his coverage. We, nobody expected to, if you remember, we were just talking about this time last year, it was like Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. Or again, my, the starting center may not be on the roster speech, which I gave. So it worked out to the, the best. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when the giants moved on from Kevin Zeitler this year, um, it was very curious to see how they were going to handle the guard situation. Um, they didn't address it in the draft. They really didn't do much to address the uh, the offensive line at all in um, you know off season moves. And we saw some workout videos, and it's come to light that you know Will Hernandez is working out you know in the right guard spot, and Shane Lemieux is continuing to work in at left guard now. Will Hernandez had a pretty good rookie year, and it's just kind of been a slow slide since then. Um, neither of those guys has ever played right guard that I know of, uh, and that means college. I don't know about high school, but um, both Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux have only played left guard so far in their careers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I am I feel more comfortable with Hernandez playing right guard than Shane Lemieux only because... He's older. He has more experience. I like his pass protection better than I like Shane Lemieux anyway. Um, and that's where I'm a little bit more concerned about the left versus right thing. Um, but either way, when we look at these two guys, Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez, we see potential, but not a whole lot of concrete, like, just evidence that this is going to be the right move or the best possible move. Uh, it's a little weak in the trenches there. I mean, we're also looking at two guys that are pretty young and are still affordable. <clears throat> I mean, these are these are not guys that were brought in on a second contract and were paid above and beyond what their market rate is, and they are a drain on the salary cap either. So I think there's still a little time to see what exactly these guys can do before decisions have to be made. I mean, let's be honest. You know, if you're talking about Dave Gettleman, a lot of people are going to pick to one of two things to say this is going to define, you know, his GM-ness and whether he's going to be a long-term GM or not. Or, you know, it's going to be ultimately what Saquon Barkley does because they they drafted him over a quarterback and what Daniel Jones does. But to me, this decision this year to kind of lay pat with this offensive line, with the expectation that they will develop together another year of experience. This is kind of, I think, one of the defining thing this year for Dave Gettleman, because if this offensive line is inconsistent, if it's not showing development and growth and is causing, you know, Daniel Jones to be put in a position to turn the ball over more than we want him to, to continue to not have really great running lanes, have to get this running game going, the offensive line to be the the weak link on this offense, it's on Dave Gettleman. And, with you know, a, a fan base that's very iffy on him to begin with, I am really looking at this offensive line as, you know, to step up. I think it will step up. I think for all the reasons I've said under times, I think it'll be better. But if this offensive line fails, this is at Gettleman's feet. He's going to have to answer for it. And, and here, I... I, I... <sighs> I agree with you in terms of my opinion. I think this is more of the defining moment. But um, I think there's something interesting here. So they're moving Will Hernandez to right guard. He's in the final year of his contract. Um, and I think they're kind of getting ready to just move on without him, right? Uh, if he performs at a low level, again, he's probably gone. If he performs at an absurdly high level in this new position, he's also probably gone. I think the only way that he stays 
in any capacity and and in is if he performs just averagely and doesn't really garner a ton of interest on the market. And I still think that they try and upgrade the guard position anyway. They re-sign him to some middle contract or something to either start or just be the backup or something like that. So this is a really, really interesting defining moment for Will Hernandez in whether or not he's going to remain a giant. He would have to perform, in my opinion, middle of the road. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we... And again... It's way, 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 way too early to start addressing what our needs are going to be in free agency or the draft next year. Uh, but if this offensive line is status quo, the expectation is this will be one of the big things we are going to try to be upgrading next year through free agency or through the draft. So guys like Will Hernandez, you know, he's kind of in a unique spot where you're right. If you're too good, you're moving on. And if you're just average – if you're just average, it may not be good enough. Because if mm-hmm. he's just average, that's going to say a lot about how average this offensive line is. And just average is not going to cut it for what we're trying to do on offense going forward. Yeah, it's so, really interesting. So, yeah, I think his days as a, as a giant are numbered no matter what he does. Because, like you said, average, he's returning in a backup role. So, uh, and, and even then, you're, you're, you're being replaced just slowly. Um the next group of guys that I'm going to talk about here are the backups to the interior of the offensive line. And I've, I'm going to put them in two tiers here. And the first tier of guys is Jonathan Harrison, Zach Fulton, Kyle Murphy, and Chad Slade. And I'm just going to kind of run through them really quickly. Jonathan Harrison's a center, straight up. Um, and I think he is the most accomplished backup that this roster has on the offensive line. And that means Nate Solder as well. Um he is a seven-year pro at center, and he's been pretty good his whole career. He's never been great. He's moved around a little bit, but he's played like over 100 games or somewhere around 100 games, and he's started a lot of them. He's been pretty good. He's okay, and that's exactly the kind of person you want coming off the bench in a pinch. Somebody who is okay and has been okay their whole career. Not a whole lot of ups and downs. Um... That's Jonathan Harrison, and do you want to jump in there and just you know brag about him being from Florida? He's from Florida. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> a, a former Muschamp and Urban Meyer guy, I believe. Yeah. So, so now you're you're talking two coaches ago. So he's a little get a little a little bit long in the tooth. But again, for what the role we're looking for, a guy if you need him to step in for you know a series or two, he can handle the job. I wouldn't be comfortable. If he's my starter, but for the role we're looking for, he's good enough. Um, beyond that is Zach Fulton. The Giants made a move for Zach Fulton in the offseason this year. Um, he has played all three interior spots. He's another seven-year pro. He's been around a lot. He's played a lot. And I was trying to figure out how to describe him because all of the things I just said, he's played a lot. He, he can whatever. Um, it sounds like Jonathan Harrison, right? So it sounds like a glowing review. But he's been less good than Jonathan Harrison at those positions. Um, and I was like, how do I describe this? And Ed Valentine from Big Blue View put it perfectly. He's a lot closer to John Jerry, where he is probably adequate. Is probably the best adver- uh, adjective I can use for him. He's adequate. If he's there, he's going to do an okay job. Um but you don't really need him there. So it's going to be interesting if Zach Fulton even makes this roster. But if he does, it's not a bad thing. Um, he would be an okay backup, in my opinion, for any of the interior spots. And as I list these guys, by the way, it's important to note where they have played in the past. Um, because we're going to go through and pick the guys that we would put on the 53-man roster. And it becomes a numbers game. And versatility will always win, especially on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you're talk. We're talking about a lot of guys that are like adequate, mm-hmm. average. Well, he can play the position. Their roster spots. We have so many of these guys. It's really gonna be a question of who's the best or the worst. That's. It may not be on their own merits that uh, you know they stay on this roster. It might be they can't get rid of everybody. Some of these guys are gonna have to stay. So it's almost gonna be like Survivor, where one or two guys who they may not be happy with. Who are, well, he happens to beat that last roster guy, that last, you know, seat in the uh, offensive line uh, 
meeting room or not, but just from attrition because there's so many guys that are fighting for their, you know, fighting for their roster lives that some people might get might stay just because they can't have too much of these guys all gone. Does that make any sense? Of course it does. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and you know this is adequate, really, when we get to this level. This is like the upper echelon of what you want. I mean, you don't even you really don't even want somebody who's great being your backup, right? Because I don't know. It, it, to, it sounds to, like you wasted money somewhere. You'd have to pay too much for really great. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's great that the you know. Guys like that are, you know, they're great training camp battles. If they win out, they're going to start and be on the roster. But if not, you're probably going to cut them because you can't afford them. It doesn't make any sense to have your money allocated that much for these these positions. These these are spots where you just need somebody who can get the job done in a short period of time. And you're not going to spend for, uh, you know, and, and, and having the world's greatest backup offensive line. It doesn't really do you any good when you're the, roster building. So the next two guys are kind of similar. Kyle Murphy has, you know, been viewed by Joe Judge and uh, I, I guess the Giants brass as the interior guy, as a guard or center, but has also, at college in Rhode Island, played both left tackle and right tackle. So in theory, has experience at five positions on the offensive line. Also, um, is just 23. This is his second NFL year. So young, versatile, versatile. Ob- obviously a good learner. I mean, you don't you don't just come out of college playing like every position on the offensive line and you're not an intelligent person. Like that's Rhode Island is not the benchmark for football coaching. You know, th- th- he deserves credit for North. this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not Tuscaloosa North. Um, so really, really, really important, you know, his versatility and, and how he's this versatile, this young is a really, really good thing for him. Um, you know, we haven't, I haven't seen him in a situation where I can say that he's going to hold up really well at the NFL level, etc. Um, Chad Slade is along the same lines here. Chad Slade can play left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. The only position he hasn't lined up in practice or whatever is center. And that's okay because, you know, you probably are going to keep a backup center, you know, on his own. Um, But the difference is that Chad Slade has been with the Giants team for, I think, five years. Um, And he's always managed to stay around. You know, he's always been a practice squad guy or, you know, at the very end of the 53-man guy. I think he played a little bit last year. Um... think he played one game last year but he was on the 53 man roster uh for all 16 games last year so the giants clearly think very highly of him but at the same time you're kind of getting a duplication of kyle murphy except older um so in my view you're really picking one of those two guys kyle murphy or chad slade i think uh, today, July, whatever, 19th? What is it? July 19th. Yeah, today, July 19th, I think you pick one of Kyle Murphy or Chad Slade. Um, you know, again, versatile. Obviously, the Giants like him, but he also, in five years, has not found his way onto a bad offensive line. Truthfully, right? Yeah, that's that's saying something, to really get into heavy rotation or, or, or butting up against a starting role. He's not, so... It tells you something about what the his ceiling ultimately is. And that ceiling drops every year as you get older and older. And then we go into the second tier of backup guys, and these are guys that I think are long shots to make the 53-man roster, and that's Jake Burton, Kenny Wiggins, and Brett Hege. Um Jake Burton, I think, is a great practice squad candidate. He played tackle at UCLA, and then when the Pac-12, uh, or however many teams are in Pac now, um, Decided to nix last year. He transferred to Baylor, and they didn't need a tackle, so he played guard, and he played okay. Um, I think that he's very raw. I think he has a lot of power to him. I think he can develop. He's young. He's a practice squad eligible guy. If he doesn't win, you got yourself a you know a versatile dude 
to, to stash on the practice squad and continue to develop. Um, I, I like Jake Burton for this team's future, but not 2021. And that's important. You know, every year you should be getting guys like this. Every single year you should be getting an offensive lineman that you either project to make your 53-man roster or project to make your 53-man roster in two years or three years. Yeah. Um, what about Brett Heggie? What's your thought about him? Brett Heggie, I think, is along the same lines. Um, but not. I, I don't have as hopeful... Uh, as as I do with Jake Burton, um, it's close though. Um, he's more of an interior offensive lineman guy, center guards. Um, I gotta truthfully with him, I gotta see his preseason stuff. I gotta see his training camp stuff because you know Florida's offensive line was how would you describe it last year? Not good, <laughs> <laughs> and the year before even worse. Yeah, so, I mean, but I do think that there are tools there for him. You know, we covered Brett Heggie when they took him this year uh, undrafted. Um, you know, f- not extensively, but more more in-depth. And uh, I have I have a good hope for him. I, I have, I would say he has a 1% chance or less of making the 53-man roster. What about practice squad? Practice squad, I can definitely see him. And you know what? I could see him starting out in the practice squad and the Giants either IRing him or activating him at some point to prevent another team from getting him. Because I think the potential is there, and I think all it's going to take is a flash here or there and a team desperate or not deep enough at the center position to want to grab him. Um so I can see things like that playing out. Just, you know, little trickster ways to keep a guy in your roster and, and avoid. Um, or, I, I don't know, is there still the protected practice squad player thing this year? I don't know. I mean, I think so many changes have happened because of either from COVID or changes to the, um, you know, collective bargaining agreement. I'm not exactly sure what it is anymore. You get my point, though. I think I think he's a perfect practice squad player, but he may be too good for that, so the Giants will find a way to protect him or want yeah. to protect him. Yeah, They'll find some other way to stash him. Mm-hmm. Kenny Wiggins, I have no hope for, uh, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it, buddy. It, 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 there's nothing wrong with him. You know, he's been around for a little while. Uh, 2011, I believe he came out of the draft. Um, and he's been around the league a little bit. Chargers, Niners, Lions, Ravens. Um, you know, the Giants signed him last year, not in the off season, like in the middle of the year. I think uh, November thirteenth, so middle of the season, maybe on the later end. But um, you know, they clearly thought enough of him to grab him last year. Uh, even when they had Kevin Zeitler on the roster, and at that time, I would say prospectively into the future, they had Kevin Zeitler. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not nothing, and I think he'll be in an open competition. But his battle, I don't think, is with the Jake Burtons and the Brett Heggies of the world. His battle is further up into that other tier I was talking about with the Zach Fultons, Jonathan Harrison, Kyle Murphy, Chad Slade. And those guys, to me, are more promising, whether it be due to versatility or just their reputation around the league in the last seven years. Uh, I think it's just I value Jonathan Harrison completely differently than I do Kenny Wiggins, who's been around since 2011. Gotcha. Um, If a reasonable number for offensive linemen to make it to the 53-man roster is eight or nine, and I think it's really easy to find nine. I think it's difficult to find eight. So you have your your starting five, right? Thomas, Parrott, Gates, Hernandez, and Lemieux. We agree on those five, right? Correct. Okay. And now you start getting to backups. You need at least one swing tackle. So I'm going to pencil in Nate Solder there. You you agree? Agreed. Okay. And now that that's um that's six guys. So now you're looking at two more between Harrison, Fulton, Murphy, and Slade. For me, I'm picking Jonathan Harrison to back up Nick Gates at center, and I'm picking Kyle Murphy to back up the other interior position of guard. I'll say one of those guys sticks, one other, the eighth spot is taken from another team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and that's obviously and, and, another scenario. And here's another thing. Yeah, and, you know, what we're not doing in this is we're saying this is all in the perfect universe. You know, injuries yeah. happen, you know, in, in training camp. We So far, we've gone through the entire offense and not projected one injury. <laughs> we're saying all, you know, best-case <laughs> scenarios. So we're talking, about a, we're talking about a bunch of guys, especially in probably the most physical position during training camp. These guys are, you know, getting into it and uh, – there's gonna be nicks and, and cuts and bruises, and you know, that might be the difference between the time between two guys. It's just availability. You know, is this guy ready to play? If they're not gonna. These a lot of these guys we're talking about, which are right on the bubble, they're not good enough to like. We'll just wait four to six weeks when they get better from something. They're gonna move on. It sucks for them, but that's just kind of the way it is. It's just sort of the reality of it. Um, yeah, if so I if I, if I, I could I, pick a ninth though, I think it would be Chad Slade personally would be my ninth offensive lineman. I think I went with you at that as well. Yeah. So so that's kind of we're well we're, we're fully agreeing on this. What else is new? Yeah. <laughs> um so that's kind of how I view it and overall how do you feel about that offensive line that we just kind of listed out? I'm expecting a lot. I'm expecting I am very I'm optimistic about this offensive line. I know we invested a lot of draft capital in this offensive line. Uh, you know, Dave Gettleman from when he got here, you know, his hog molly statement, you know, that kind of resonated with everybody and people like to bring it up in his face. And he understands the value of it. The way this offense we believe is going to be constructed is going to rely on an offensive line that can pass block and run block and do both very well. I think the youth of this offensive line is is good. That it, this, if this offensive line does become successful, we could see them together for a couple of years. So I think it bodes melt better for 2022 and beyond than maybe it will specifically this year. Uh, cautiously optimistic. Um, I am not, and again I've said this a hundred times, but I am not using last year as really any sort of frame of reference of like, well they sucked last year, they're just going to suck again this year. They get a fill, clean bill of uh, fresh slate with me. We start over. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I like the projection I have for tackle. I, you know, I think Thomas will continue to get better. I think Parrot will continue to get better. Um, I like our depth everywhere. Honestly, I think they've done a good job of getting depth guys. Nate Solder or Jackson Barton coming off is, is pretty good at swing tackle. But Nate Solder is, is a former... Uh, you know, top tier tackle. Um, to be the guy coming off the bench is fantastic. And then you know, Jonathan Harrison is a great center to have off the bench. I, I like what they have with Murphy Slade, even Fulton for that matter, um, coming off the bench. I'm I'm a little worried in the interior. You know, Nick Gates. We saw one one year out of him that's really good, and that's awesome. But it is just one year, and he's now surrounded with. Both inexperienced, inexperience. I mean, Will Hernandez has no experience at right guard, and Shane Lemieux has very limited NFL experience. I mean, he didn't really play a ton last year. He, he you, really only played because Hernandez got COVID. Are you concerned with the relative lack of experience on this line? No, I don't think so. And the reason why is because the Giants have dumped a lot of resources into coaching this offense. And they've spent what I assume is significant capital on specifically the offensive line coaching. Um, I I would normally be more worried about that if that weren't the case. But I, I, I think there's a concentrated effort to make sure that the offensive line and the offense in general is functioning. You know what I mean? I don't think they're, they're this staff is willing to let the offense just flounder and just, you know, we're just going to, this is the plan, this is the system, this is how we play, and if you guys can't do it, then it's on you. I don't think they're like that. I think they're, no. they are going to work. I mean, Joe Judge took weeks off from, in some sense, took weeks off from being a CEO head coach and helped focus his energy on getting the offensive line right last year. That to me, tells me that he is going to dump whatever resources are necessary to make any unit fucking work. You know what I mean? 
They'll make it work. And if the, the talent is what the talent is, then they'll change something to make their talent useful. So I'm I'm not as worried about that as I would have been, you know, at the beginning of last year, two years ago, and so on and so forth. How patient are you with this offensive line? Oh, God. After, like, ten years of watching this offensive line suck dicks, I am that's, not patient. <laughs> it's just, it's me. I mean, that's not a, 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 a smart analysis, I, I but... Yeah, I don't think that's fair to say what's, you know, this is a case where pass isn't prologue. It, it doesn't matter how long it sucked before. It's like, this is the line. This, you're, you know, going you, forward. you're correct, and from Monday through Saturday, I will look at it that way. But in the game on Sunday, I'm not going to be patient. And that's, that's that like you said, that's a fault of mine. Not you know We have to look at this every year. Nothing carries over from last year. It's a new team every year, even if most of the players are the same. They're a year older, they're a year smarter, they're a year slower. You know? So there's things change every single fucking year. So you have to look at it year to year completely with a new set of eyes. I just, for being bad for so long, it's very difficult for me in the midst of a game to think that way. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is not, this is not do or die for this offensive line. I mean, if this offensive line comes off and it's a little slow to start the year and it's kind of middling and so that to me doesn't say blow it up, start over next year. I Absolutely mean, not. No. Right, right. So that's what I mean. Where that's where patience is going to need to be required, unfortunately. Where, you know, mandate whether it's perception or reality of do or die for this team this year, or it's now or never for certain pieces, or they've been built to win now. This offensive line isn't. Mm-hmm. Correct. Unfortunately, yeah. you're so, right. So you, know, you have to kind of reconcile those two things, and that makes me, you know, if I'm really looking at this team. And saying, is this team built to win now? Is it now or never, do or die? To me, it's not. And we're not there yet. So I think everybody's had to slow their roll a bit to thinking that it's, you know, deep playoff run or bust. Because the offensive line is the single biggest factor in that happening, maybe next to Daniel Jones. And not saying that it sucks, but it's still going to be in development. And we're going to have to be patient. Absolutely, yeah. That's going to do it for this episode. Training camp starts next week, and on we will switch over to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll obviously cover any news that comes from training camp practices. They're not open to the public like they were in the past. Instead, they're doing like a one-day fan fest thing. Um, but beat writers will be there, and we will interpret things and look at things as best we can. But just continue this same exercise on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and in between now and then, we're going to have a fun little episode about sports movies with special guests, so stay tuned for that. You can always, always find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere where there's podcasts, you can find us there. And you can find uh, its Twitter handle, at JustGiantsPod. And additionally, I'm on Twitter as well, much more active than the podcast, uh, at Football underscore Grump. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan, where I'm sure I'll be winning some sort of championship this week. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so give me, uh, give me a shout-out at the Cranky Fan. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants.